Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're in episode 244. Glad you could join us. We got some uh, pretty interesting topics this week, so let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Bait. What's up everybody? My name is Bait, and uh, I do homework. And eating something from the sounds of it? Chips and a sandwich. There you go. All right, Jake, you're up. Hey, I'm Jason. I'm also one of the co-hosts here on Biomass and a purveyor of games and stuff. And Libby. Hello, I'm Libby, and uh, I'm doing my taxes. <laughs> I did We're not... all multitasking. <laughs> no, well, that well, that is kind of like doing like a game. So I sort of suppose that. Oh, dude, <laughs> I'm leveling up right now. It's like how what, what answers are the correct answers to get the <laughs> highest score <laughs> that won't get you caught for cheating. Um, and I am Pokey Draven. I help host the show, and I do the Dungeon Crawl YouTube series with Livy. So we'll, we'll talk about that one in a bit, but I wanted to start with some interesting gaming news that kind of popped up. So this kind of came out of left field. Um, I had heard some some rumors about it like early in the weekend, and then today we heard about a game called Apex Legends, which is from the developer of Titanfall 2, Respawn Entertainment. And uh, yeah, it's a free-to-play battle royale game. Like, literally came out of nowhere. I think it released today with no marketing whatsoever. They just launched it, and it was, it was kind of interesting. The statement they made. They said, um, "The world thinks we're making Titanfall three, and we're not. This is what we're making." So they basically made Apex instead of Titanfall three. Um, they actually canceled uh, their current production of Titanfall three to work on this Apex game. They said so. Um, this is what we're making to try and convince a skeptical audience for months with trailers in hand and articles. We're just like, let the game speak for itself. It's the most powerful antidote to potential problems. We're doing a free-to-play game with essentially loot boxes after we were bought by EA, and it's not Titanfall, Titanfall 3. It's the perfect recipe for a marketing plan to go awry, and so we have that. Let's just ship the game and let players play. So they're, they're you know... Um, Beautifully self-aware of the fact that we're owned by EA, we have loot boxes in a free-to-play game, and people are going to shit on us for that. So, screw it, here's the game. Um, it's kind of interesting. Uh, so, what are your guys' thoughts on this? I, I know that Titanfall 3 was was kind of hotly anticipated. My, my brother's a, a big fan of the series and jumped into this today and, and played around with it, but was, was disappointed to hear that 3 is... Not in production at this point, uh, with no concrete plans to play it. So, so what do you, what are you guys' thoughts? Well, I think that um, Respawn has a lot on their hands this year. I know that um, that Star Wars game is uh, from them is supposed to come out. Uh, I think in the fall of this year, if I'm not mistaken. So, I would assume that that means that there's going to be a demo and a formal announcement at E3 in June. So I would imagine that they're working on that and then to try and divide the studio because if I'm not mistaken, it's a smaller studio. So to to try and divide and conquer between Star Wars, uh, Fallen Order, Jedi Order, some other whatever, um, and Titanfall 3, I, I think would do a disservice to both games. Um, so I, I, I'm kind of glad that they're able to just you know push out Apex Legends because it doesn't seem like it's taken that much for them to, to do uh, as far as the time and, and, and work effort goes. So to just push that out and then, you know, be ready to, to finish Star Wars and then to move on to Titanfall 3 either next year or maybe as a launch title for the next I'm perfectly okay with it. 
Yeah, it's kind of interesting because you've you've seen, um, and to be clear, like my brother was saying, like eighty percent of the guns in the game are from Titanfall Two. Um, it has that aesthetic. I'm not sure if it's meant to be in the same world or not. There's no Titans, but it's got kind of the the jumpy, you know, uh, Titanfall style gameplay and weapons. Um, and it's interesting that you kind of brought that up, Bate, because it's like we've seen this before with you know, kind of the big one where Fortnite had their engine for their, their PVE Save the World campaign. Um, and they literally just kind of used that to kind of throw together a Battle Royale game just for the hell of it because it was cheap to do and it, it turned out huge. And it seems like in in many ways, a lot of these game development companies are kind of taking that same path where they're going, well, we've got a viable engine. People like the gameplay. You know, what if we just throw it together and make a Battle Royale game? And it might be pretty cheap to put together and we could probably make some money off of this. It, it's interesting to see that a lot of this kind of like recycling existing games into, you know, very specific types of game modes that are a little, they don't fit in the original game, but they, they work on their own. It's just interesting. I guess, I guess what surprises me, like like if you told me that Titanfall 2 was going to come out with a battle Royale mode, I might be interested only because like that, that's still a very viable online game. I mean, they, they still give updates to that thing. It's, and it's got a pretty hardcore kind of, you know, cult following out there. I still think Titanfall 2 is like one of my, like generally one of my favorite games I've, I've played in several years. Had a phenomenal campaign mode. Um, and the multiplayer is actually, it's really solid. I mean, that's basically been keeping that, that alive for, for quite some time. I, I think if they had had a, you know, like a Battle Royale, like a Titanfall 2 Battle Royale mode, you know, add a bunch of, bunch more players, bigger map or something, I'd kind of be more interested, but. I, this this really came out of left field. I'm not really. Sh- I, I guess I just don't understand the the idea behind it because uh, I don't think anybody was asking for this. You know, I'm not. I'm not sure I was scrambling for this game uh, with the the absolute bevy of Fortnite esque type games that are floating around out there. Probably more coming out every day. I'm not really sure what niche in the market this is hitting, other than the fact that Respawn is generally a, a fairly well respected game company. So I don't. I don't suspect it's trash, but I don't like. I just. I'm not sure what they were aiming at with this one. Um, it kind of surprised me if this is like you designed to like float them with cash or something in between now and the Star Wars game coming out. You know, it's just kind of a weird move. I think. Yeah. I, go ahead, Bate. No, I was just going to say that I think this uh, this uh, article uh, title is really telling about um, the. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? The um, the vibe or the, the feel, I guess, um, over at EA. And the tagline here from Windows Central reads that, um, or at least the link says that EA may have killed Titanfall 3 in favor for Apex Legends. Um, and then, then this, uh, the, the actual title of the article says that Respawn canceled Titanfall 3 in favor of Apex Legends. So... Whatever's going on in EA, you can kind of see where their mindset, that's the word I was looking for earlier, where where their mindset is. They're still very much, I think they're in the past, trying to cash in on the Battle Royale scene. I think that that scene is, Fortnite is at the top of it, and it will continue to remain remain at the top of it, and to try and get anything else uh, out of it it, it is probably um, a, a little futile, in my opinion. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I mean, I you know, again, it makes you kind of really suspect of anything that's got an EA tag on mm-hmm. it. Just to be just to be upfront with you, I, I 
I would be mildly surprised if Respawn made an un like a, an unpressured decision to cut Titanfall three when that's really been their cash cow for several years as the Titanfall franchise, which is again a very well respected franchise. Um, and the reality is, if if like COD couldn't cut in on, on the the battle royale stuff, Titanfall or Correction Respawn certainly wasn't. So I'm not really sure that I. It just is, it's a weird move. Even for EA, it just doesn't seem like it's a good move. And it's, it's kind of telling. There's a quote here by Drew McCoy, who's a producer for the game. Um, and he says, uh, I quote, he goes, What was once Titanfall 3 has become Apex Legends. In other words, a third Titanfall is not currently in development, despite the critical acclaim for the first two. Does that sound like he's got a little bit of bitterness? Like, our <laughs> first two games were badass, and they decided to cancel the third one to make this shit. Like, that, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from what he's saying there. Mm-hmm. Well, and, like, furthermore, uh, in that same interview that, that uh, McCoy did, and it was with Kotaku, he says that Titanfall 3 was in development during the fall of uh, 2017 when EA bought Respawn. The game was in development, EA comes in, and they say, no, fuck you, we want this to be free to play. And here we are. And go cheap on the marketing, because they didn't... No, advertise it at all. I hadn't, heard, I hadn't heard a damn thing about this game until just the other day. What the hell is this? So I actually heard about it um, from a YouTuber called The Quartering, and he had like a like a like a story. Like I think it was like on like maybe Friday or like early early Saturday, saying like, okay, I got a source at Respawn saying that a Titanfall game is going to be announced on Monday, and then obviously this came out. Um, but other than that, I heard nothing about this until until today. Obviously, like I, I had to like scramble to, like watch some gameplay of this when I got home because I, I heard about it at work. It was like a few hours ago, maybe like six, twelve hours ago, um, and that was the first time I had really heard about it in any any official capacity. There's no trailers, there's no interviews, nothing. Like this came completely out of nowhere. it's probably for all of them. Let me see if I can find out here. Okay, that is. The hell is the Wikipedia article for it? Okay, it's it's on the Origin Store on PC and then PlayStation and Xbox. So it's it's on all the three major ones. But oh. uh, yeah, but yeah, it's just wild. My, my brother says it's 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 not bad. You know, he's like I would have preferred Titanfall. Um, you know, and, and, and to your point, Jay, it, it you know if they had made it like an expansion of Titanfall two, like hey, we added this. You know, it's got some cosmetics whatever they want to fund it that way that's fine but it's almost like they wanted to like remove that barrier of entry of having to own the game and they're just like that ah, we'll just shit this thing out real quick and, and kind of use whatever work they've done on titanfall 3 and kind of you know cut that out don't spend a lot on marketing just kind of quickly wrap it up as a battle royale game and shove it out the door um which is kind of shitty like 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 they said they're in development when ea comes in and then they're like, yeah, yeah, we're not going to finish that project. Just wrap it up and, and push out the door and we'll be done with it. And you can go and work our Star Wars game, which we'll probably cancel because we're yay and we hate Star Wars. Don't say that. I'm getting yeah, no, excited. Well, I was, so that was, I, I hate to say it, that was one of my next thoughts was like, I'm not sure this was a good deal. Because right now, like Star Wars and EA, they're like, they're batting over. Uh, no. I mean, they got about the same Major League Baseball batting average that I do. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> you can understand. We'll get to it in a bit. My my fear about Anthem because of EA, just everything they touch has been icky lately. But uh, yeah, with the Star Wars games, it's like shit. But uh, yeah, no, this is this is a weird one. Um, 
I'm kind of curious to see what they do with it. If it, you know, gets updated regularly, if it's just kind of a, we're going to shove it out and that's, that's it. Just kind of a quick cash grab and kind of cut our losses for money spent in development so far. I, I don't know. It'll be really curious to see how they support this, if at all, moving forward. Yeah, because I'm looking, it's like, <laughs> will there be more maps? And the response on the FAQ is, our focus is on the King's Canyon map for now, but we may introduce new maps in the future. <laughs> Which means we'll we'll probably just add more shit to the, the cash shop, because that's cheap to do and makes a lot of money. And, uh, you know, we, we probably won't do much with this game. This this is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it doesn't leave a good taste in my mouth at all. It's 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 bad. But uh yeah, so I mean if you want to play another battle royale game that is like Titanfall without the Titans falling, um then I, I guess mean, you can play Apex. At least it's not on mobile, right? Not yet. Hey, <laughs> don't you have a phone? <laughs> All right, so moving along from that one, uh, a couple quick little things that are kind of interesting. So um, Quantic Dreams, and this is the uh, game publisher that makes games, you've probably heard of them, like um, Detroit uh, Detroit, and uh, Heavy Rain. They're kind of these interactive, you know, you can, they're, they're, they're games with quotation marks, but they're more kind of like an interactive story, um, sort of in the line with like a Telltale game, but they're not quite the same. Regardless... They've made a couple of these games, and they've always been exclusive to PlayStation. And interestingly enough, NetEase, as you know, because NetEase has to buy everything in the world that's related to gaming, um, has purchased basically or invested a minority share in Quantic Dreams. And now all of a sudden they're like, actually, we're fine with developing games for other platforms, not just PlayStation. So if you are a fan of those games and wanted to play them on PC or on Xbox, there is probably a good chance that their next titles will be uh, multi-platform, which is kind of interesting. But, you know, it does kind of raise an interesting thought of, you know, NetEase really getting its fingers into really like a lot of different franchises and angles of, you know, Western gaming industry. And it's, it's, <laughs> you know, that you can really start to see why so many uh, game publishers are really tuning a lot of their business model to appeal to a more, you know, Asian market with tons of mobile games and that sort of thing. Cause you see, you know, that investment coming our direction and then they're producing games going back. Um, you know, I, I have a phone, but I don't play many mobile games, but uh yeah, no, it's it's kind of interesting to see this kind of develop over time. Yeah, I, I think I, I think this is just again some like shifting sands in the gaming landscape. So NetEase, I mean that you know their forte is is the mobile game world and you know kind of the you know that that very specific sort of um, you know monetization model. So I, I always get a little nervous when I see them getting involved with stuff. Um, so you know what well, you know. We'll see how this works out. I mean, they're involved with Bungie, so who knows? Uh, but it, it is interesting. But I'd kind of like to harken back to something you said earlier. I, well, actually, you guys want to touch on the uh, the Anthem uh, demo in a little bit? Yeah, I figured we could. Okay, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say my EA Anthem comments for that then. Okay. Um, okay, so another quick thing I wanted to go over was um, the Xbox kind of made a mistake. They, they updated something that kind of tipped their, uh, showed a bit of their, their, their hands to the industry. Basically what's happening is Xbox Live is going to be available on the Switch. And so what that means is that uh, games that are Xbox Live supported will work on the Switch. So if you've got like a game that you play online with people and the, the game is available on Switch, 
it, it basically solidifies the, the, the groundwork for crossplay and the sharing of systems from Xbox Live, like trophies, friends list, that sort of thing. So it, it's kind of linking in the mobile, the PC, the Xbox, and then now with this edition, it allows people with, on the supported games on Switch to also be included in that. Um, which I have to chuckle because it, it's definitely kind of a power play that, that Microsoft's been making lately, I think, to really kind of put some pressure on Sony because Sony has, you know, lately been very anti-cross-platform and, you know, Microsoft has really been pushing for it. And I think that kind of roping in uh, the Switch and, and Nintendo with this really starts to kind of put Sony in a corner. And I'm, I'm really curious to see how long Sony lasts before they finally just go, okay, fine, we'll allow the cross-play, you know. Um, it, it's really curious, but I, I think it's 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 a good thing for, for players overall to have that, that, that cross-play. It allows you, of course, to connect with people over different platforms. Um, it'll be really good, but uh, yeah, I was kind of curious that this is a, it was not meant to be announced yet, I don't think. It was kind of like, a, like an, they found it you know, in the data mining. But, uh, you know, it, it does show that Microsoft is kind of pushing that direction of we don't want to have this, you know, isolated hermit style um, gaming superstructure. We want to kind of spread it out between a bunch of different platforms. So I think it's good for us, but it's, it's, it kind of came out of left field. People were like, oh, yeah, Xbox Live is now on Switch. And I was like, what does that actually mean? Because I don't know anything about Xbox Live. I had to look, you know, kind of do a little research, but uh, no, it's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I th- no. I, like I said, I think that's. I think your assessment's pretty accurate. The uh, there's there's like kind of that slow, steady drumbeat for Sony to get on board with uh, crossplay, cross save. I, I, you know, they they have made some overtures to it. I mean, I think when as the pressure continued to rise, so I I suspect there will be some probably not crossplay but cross save type announcement when they start talking about PS5. Uh, at least that would be my bet. But I. I I think the pressure has to remain fairly steady on them uh, before they really, they really kind of go all in on it. Yeah, like I said, I'll be curious to see, um, particularly with the next generation. So should be good. So moving along, I wanted to speak kind of briefly about uh, Resident Evil 2, the remake. So last night, Livy and I finished the first main campaign. I don't want to do like a full review here on the show. It's kind of a quick rundown of what we had, but. You know, finish the first campaign as uh, as Leon, which is you know I think kind of how they originally intend you to play. And what that does, it opens up the secondary campaign. And what that means is that there's another character, um, Claire Redfield, and it it's a shorter campaign, but it's kind of like what she's doing during the events of the first campaign. And, and those two characters interact a few times, and you know you, you kind of bounce off each other. Uh, like, I think maybe two or three times throughout the game. So you can see, you know, what's happening in a little bit broader scope of the world. Um, so I, I'm, I'm probably going to play a little bit more of that tonight. But uh, I, I got to say, just real briefly, like, I know I've, I've, I've iterated on this before, but, like, the level design in that game is so damn good at packing in a ton of content into such a small, compact space. Like, the game kind of spreads out over time. But, like, the police station, which is the first area you're in, you spend, like four hours in there and you will revisit rooms like five or six times. And and it sounds like that'd be annoying, like with the backtracking, but it's really fun when you're like, okay, I've seen like all these different locks and you finally find like a key or a code and you're kind of like jogging through your memory. Like, okay, where, where, where was I going to use this? Where does that key go? And you're like, oh, okay. And then you get to kind of plan ahead and kind of work your way back. 
And the fact that the zombies like don't really ever die, like you can shoot them in the head and they'll go down, stay down for a while, but they'll get back up. You're, you're always kind of at this like rush to get through things a little bit quicker because you don't want them to stand back up and you have to waste more ammunition on them. It, it just it works really, really well for a survival horror game. And then I've been playing Resident Evil since Resident Evil 4. Um, love 4, 5 was okay, 6 was awful, really like 7, but you go back to see this 2 remake and you're like, this thing kind of kicks all of those games' asses. Like, it's just, it's really, really good. And if, you know, Capcom was good enough to kind of, I mean, it was a remake, obviously, but if they understand why that was good and make their future games like that going forward, it's just going to be fantastic. So I'm, I'm very, very hyped. Um, fantastic experience. I can't wait to play more of it. Um, there's actually like four scenarios in total once you kind of go through all the different versions of it. So there's a lot more content, even though it's reusing a lot of it, but uh, they do enough to make the experience, you know, a little bit different each time to kind of make it interesting. So it's really, really good. Um, the pacing towards the end uh, got a little weird. The ending was pretty good, but it was abrupt. I, I'm going to kind of chalk that up to being, you know, uh, whenever this game came out, like a 90s game, you know, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, it's over. Um, but it was, it was still an enjoyable experience. So I beat the game in a little under seven hours, I think, for that first scenario, which it felt about right. I feel like if it went on much longer, it would feel like it was dragging, like it... It was wrapping up to a point where I'm like, okay, I think it's about time for this to be over um, and then go to the, the next scenario. So that that was good. Um, it wasn't this like 30-hour campaign, you know, endless endless uh, thing with each character, but it felt right. So, you know, overall, really, really enjoyed it. Um, can't wait to play more. Um, we'll start getting those episodes posted probably this week. I gotta, I'm going to kind of try to edit them all at once and then kind of release them in our usual cadence. But uh you can expect to see those coming pretty soon. So Resident Evil 2, absolutely fantastic. If you like survival horror, you know, even if you hadn't played the original game, it's absolutely worth your time to, to pick this one up if you like that style of game. It, it pretty much blows everything recently out of the water as far as I'm concerned, and it's, it's well worth your money. Um, the one last thing I wanted to touch on before we get to kind of our, our anthem discussions, I know that will take a bit, is uh, I started playing Kingdom Hearts 3, um, and so it's kind of brief initial... Uh, initial thoughts. I've only gotten about three hours in so far, um, so not really enough to like really get a full grasp of what's going on, but uh, just kind of my initial thoughts. The game is absolutely gorgeous. Like, they've they've kept the original kind of cartoonish style of, of Kingdom Hearts, kind of what it's known for, but they've really, like, tuned in and done really, really well with the PS4 and making it look... Like everything glows and it's colorful and it just it's really pleasant to look at. Pretty much everything is is you know screenshot worthy. Um, so it feels like a Kingdom Hearts game. They didn't like change the art style, but they definitely improved how it was presented. So it looks fantastic. Um, and you can tell they've really taken advantage of the more powerful system. Like to put it in perspective, Kingdom Hearts Two was on the PlayStation Two, and there was many spin-off games, but they were always on a handheld or a phone or something like that. And they, they did some like HD remakes or remasters, but those you know, it was the same game more or less with just you know better better lighting and stuff. So this like jumping from Kingdom Hearts 2 to Kingdom Hearts 3, going from the PS2 to PS4, you can really tell that they they've been enjoying the extra processing power. And I'm playing on a on a PlayStation 4 Pro. But, uh, you know, just there's, there's more stuff going on where, like, towns before would be empty. They've actually got, like, NPCs in them now, uh, making use of the better memory. 
so it's it it feels much more alive, and the worlds are a little more robust, and the area is a little bit bigger. Um, and they've adjusted the gameplay to kind of help account for that. So it, it feels it feels good, and there's lots of stuff going on screen. Um, that being said, the gameplay is a little strange. I, I would say, and I, it might be different as you get deeper in, but they've crammed like tons of combat systems from the previous games like all in one like all the side games have their own little gimmick they would do and it feels like they just took like all of them threw them in a bag and, and plopped it on on the battle system for this so you know while those systems by themselves were great um it, it's a little much i fear with what's currently going on so like when you play kingdom hearts 2 or really any of the games it's it's mostly running around with the keyblades, which is like your swords, and you're doing melee attacks, and you kind of mix in magic in between the combos. And you know, it, it was it was it was kind of floaty. It was never really high technicality combat, but you know, it was it was still kind of a good visceral response to it. But with this, it's like there's so many like special power attacks popping up on screen, and they're they're sort of automatic. Like um, there's like this attraction thing where you basically summon like a disney ride like the spinning teacups and you're like you know spinning around the level and, and hitting shit and it's it's kind of cool but the problem is that this happens like every like five minutes one of these things pops up and then there's other things stacking on top of it like i'm playing i have like three special attacks queued up and i'm just like firing them off one after the other after a while i'm like am i even playing anymore or am i just letting this thing kind of like kill everything in the room and I've, i found myself like not using them now just because the base combat is a little more interesting than these these crazy flashy special attacks so that's it's kind of kind of annoying and i'm, I'm gonna see if i can find a way to turn it off like entirely because i don't want those prompts like they look cool but they're 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 a bit much it's a little too much going on um so, which is a bit of a shame so quick question uh, yes I'm not a I'm not a massive Kingdom Hearts guy. Like I, I would I've, I've seen it, dabbled around it, but I kind of get the gist of it. How does this one compare to say Kingdom Hearts two? Uh, like is it like similar gameplay style or is it is it? It sounds like you're describing something markedly different. Because I don't hear because I don't remember hearing people describe describe the gameplay quite the way you just did. So if you ignore all the crazy special attacks I'm talking about there, um, it's very much the same. Um, and it's got some, some improvements like being able to switch weapons, but at a base level, it is the same. They've just layered on so many of these like crazy special abilities that if you're like doing well and they're firing off constantly, it feels like the core gameplay kind of disappears. So I wouldn't say it's, it's markedly different, but they've they've packed a lot of crap in there, and it's I don't know if that was for the best. Yeah, that, no, that's fair. No, like I said, I was just kind of trying to get a sense of it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's not bad by any means. It's just it is a little surprising, I guess. Um, and maybe it it gets a little bit different. Maybe that's more useful later on. But um, kind of first initial impression was kind of like this is kind of it's kind of crazy. Like we're kind of laughing about it as we're playing. Like okay, we're doing this again. You know. Um, so it was, it's okay. The combat's kind of okay. Um, as for the story, the story is like absolutely bonkers as expected. The game actually comes with like a series of mini movies to help you like recap the whole story so far, because they know that there's no way in hell most people are going to remember all this shit. Um, I happened to watch like a, a really good YouTube recap of everything before the game came out. So I was in pretty good shape, but if you you know, haven't like been keeping up or you missed a couple games. I missed like, a, I think I missed one of the mobile games or one or two of the mobile games. Um, they will kind of let you 
like watch a quick recap video of what happened so at least you know what's going on because effectively any kingdom hearts game is canon it's held together with you know gum and, and tape but it's it's canon so if you haven't played literally everything you're missing some part of the story but they will at least allow you with these kind of catch-up movies to to catch up and, and understand what's going on um, and then they also make a pretty good attempt during the story to kind of remind you, okay, remember, this is what happened. You know, this is why this is what was those, what was the result of it, um, which is appreciated. If you're like really super familiar with the story, it might be a little bit annoying for me. It was kind of good to get a refresher. So you can tell they're aware that their story is extremely convoluted um, and, and do make steps to kind of make that easier for you. So you can actually enjoy what's going on, but you know, who knows how the story's going to turn out? Like I said, I'm like three hours in, like through the first one and a half worlds, and I have no idea how many there are. So I'm not sure how deep this goes, but you know, I'll, I'll give a proper review to the the story as a whole um, once I finish the game. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of my initial thoughts on on Kingdom Hearts three. It's 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 not bad. You know, it's not like oh my god, it's the best game ever, but it's it's more or less what I expected, and, and that's not a bad thing. So. Looking forward to playing more of that and dodging all of the spoilers on YouTube because people are assholes and love to up upload stuff with, you know, spoiler thumbnails and titles, but uh, I'm doing my best. <laughs> I'm, I'm still kind of peeved at the whole Destiny 2 Prince Aldrin spoiler, like, oh, jeez. <laughs> like, it would have been so much cooler if it happened in-game. Yeah, no, I know. I just, I just you know, they got to download the stuff in, into the... Uh into your machine and you just wish that the data miners wouldn't if there's a way they could partition from data miners but i just don't know that there is well what they what they actually did is um namura the the, the producer was so worried about the the final secret ending because because in every kingdom hearts game there's always a secret movie you can unlock by either playing on hard mode or um completing special stuff in game and it kind of unlocks the hidden movie and the hidden movie is always like spoilers or at least kind of sets up the the, the next game so it, it's, it's like a big deal like you get that movie and it kind of gives you a hint of what's going to happen next um that actually is not physically on the disc that you got in the game because they they waited until after the game was shipped and downloaded and put in people's ps4s and then the next day you would patch it into the game because they were so terrified that someone would get a hold of the disc and spoil that particular part because that's really important to them because people got like physical copies and there was like spoilers like a month in advance, but he held back on this particular movie because he knew there was a chance someone would get it early and didn't want it to get out into the open. So that's how anal they are about spoilers with this stuff. Um, it's just crazy. But anyways, let's get to probably a, a pretty lengthy discussion. Um, so Livy and I, and I saw that Jay was doing it as well tried the anthem open demo this weekend um and it was a little bit different from what was done before when i was in the closed uh beta for on the pc version um you had access to some more javelins different missions um that sort of thing i played this one on console because i wanted to see the difference between console and pc but i kind of wanted to get jay's thoughts first um because i think this is your first um try at the game so i kind of wanted to, to hear what you thought first uh, yeah, sure. Um, real quick, Bait, were you able to try as well? Nah, I wasn't. So, I mean, it's not really something I'm interested in, so I just kind of sat and sat back and watched people play it on YouTube and whatnot, so. Okay. So, um, uh, 
initial hot take on it. Um, there is an incredible amount of potential in the game. That's number one. Um, comma, but, you know, dot, dot, dot. So uh, the game visually ha- it looks great if your machine doesn't die trying to run it. Uh, that's number one. Um, you, you can tell that there's a lot of Bioware cooked into... I think the story, it's very difficult to understand from the demo, but I suspect that there's going to be a lot of uh, story activity that's less choice-driven, like uh, Mass Effect style, but more, I mean, it will be happening around you kind of organically as part of the gameplay, I think, up to a point. Um, but moving around in Fort Tarsus, uh, you could see that there, that's a, a pretty neat kind of potential space. It is single player in that part of the instance, so it's... You kind of imagine the Monster Hunter base where it's kind of just you. Uh, I, I don't know if they're going to have any other customization options in there locally, but it, it's it's pretty cool. Um, it, it's certainly at, well put together uh, from a technical standpoint, but again, it, it takes a lot to run it. Like if you're on a, a PS regular, it'll, it'll definitely have some frame drop issues, uh, but generally pretty solid. The, um, and you can see the hooks for a lot of different things in the Fort Tarsus area in terms of like gameplay activities and, and things like that. Um, the, the Javelin customization options are pretty deep, uh, to say the least. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's an actual character creator per se, if you can choose like male, female, and a little bit about what your freelancer looks like, because you definitely spend the majority of your time on your Javelin suit. Which, you know, not unlike Destiny in that you spend the majority of your time messing with your armor, not so much your character. Um, but it, they just didn't really display that too, you know, so it's be interesting to kind of see how that works out. Um, the, the systems that I got to play with, you kind of get the feel that it's, that they were definitely not everything was exposed to you, uh, but pretty solid. I didn't get into the show, the social space necessarily that they talked about. I couldn't, I wasn't quite under, understanding what that was unless that was the launch pad that you go to when you stand around waiting for free play. Um, so once you get into the game, it's definitely pretty cool. Like th- there is a lot of neat gameplay mechanics. Like the flying is very good. It's probably as well done as any flying I've seen. Uh, you know, in that style of game. And once you kind of figure out the, the controller map, it'd be kind of cool if there's a little bit more of a tutorial and there may, there may actually be in the, uh, in the full release game that kind of walks you through some of the different movement mechanics and different things you can do. There's a few UI issues here and there. Of, like things aren't, they're a little, little bit hidden in terms of how you do certain things, like in the customization tabs or, or just in, in just the controlling your, your javelin. Flying is really good. The hovering is really good. Gives you a ton of vertical options. Like I like that a lot. The the movement options, the vertical options, are baller. Just really, really good. Um, I, I you definitely get a sense of of where they approach this game at. So combat mechanics. I like the idea of the combo systems and how you can pair off of your teammates or have to set your own javelin up to do that. I think that has the potential for a ton of gameplay. Uh, so all, all that being said, I'm going to talk about the technical issues in a minute, which I think are a legion right now. Um, if I were to, if somebody were to ask me how to describe the game, I would say do the opposite from a mechanical standpoint of everything destiny does in a monster hunter overlay. 
Now, let me kind of unpack that a little bit. So in Fort Tarsus, you are in first person. In the game world, you are in third person. That's literally the opposite of destiny. In the tower, in the social spaces, you are third person. And in combat, you are first person. Uh, in Destiny, most of what you do revolves around your guns, your weapons. That is where they put a lot of crafting time into the weapons, the exotics, the look and the feel of them, all that kind of good stuff. Um, your armor, in terms of the exotic armor, that, that certainly plays a role, but it's predominantly about how you use your weapons and you use your abilities, your space magic, as augmentative to what you do with your weapons. In Anthem, it's literally the opposite. The weapons are a thing you use when you're waiting for your shit to cool down, which is often not too long. So you're predominantly utilizing your abilities vice your weapons. So the weapons, in um, at least the ones that you saw in the demo, are not overly creative in terms of their look and their feel and what they can do. I think when you get in the Masterwork region, it's, it might be a little bit different, but they're, that's not where the guts of, of your progression is in, in terms of the mechanics. However, you have a ton of different options on what you outfit your suit to be in terms of its capabilities and how it changes its stats and all this other kind of stuff. So it's definitely more of a gear game than a, than a weapon game uh, in terms of just kind of how you play. Um, that, that's just that's sort of my hot take on it. Um, and again, in, in Destiny, there's there are some things that happen where you, where it's like how things can apply to your other teammates and how they can work with you, mostly in the form of like passive buffs uh, predominantly, like how do you get more damage out of thing or, or take a little bit less damage, whereas in Anthem, is it, it's much more about active status stuff. Like how are you actively doing a thing to, a, to not a, necessarily apply a status effect, although that, that's kind of definitely there as part of the priming system, but it's about maximizing damage output and effects because the javelins do different things to the to the combo effects which is really neat um the other one in destiny um the classes that you have are frankly a little samey uh but you but you kind of get they have like different sort of slight vibes and feels to them whereas in anthem because the focus is is much more on the suits and less on the gunplay. It is really, really, really different. Like, like really different gameplay options between the suits, um, which is kind of interesting. So, you know, the ranger is your basically your single target damage dealer. Uh, predominantly, most of its effects center around how does it apply more and more damage, um, and or take advantage of combos. Uh, the war, the uh, the storm, its job is predominantly to apply status effects and prime targets for other people to take advantage of, and it increases the AOE size of combos. Uh, the the Colossus, that's that's I think that's much more about raw explosive damage uh, predominantly, and it's it's kind of a tanky class, although it doesn't feel like it. But I think that's really about how your gear set up, like when you get into like late game stuff. And then the Interceptor is definitely a melee, up-close kind of thing. It's got this really interesting thing. It's not about making a status effect bigger, like in the terms of AoE or do more damage. What it really does is it creates this aura around it, and as you bounce around between enemies, it spreads the status effects. 
which is kind of a really neat sort of option I have. I don't think I've seen in other places before. And all four of those together can definitely do some wildly interesting things on the battlefield. So the verticality is pretty awesome. Um, the mechanics of moving your suit around are generally pretty good. The gunplay is not great. It's not bad. Don't get me wrong. It is not bad, but it's third-person gunplay, so it's not crisp and precise like that, like just lasered down COD or bungee gunplay feel is. But that's not really the point. The point is your suit and your abilities versus the gunplay. Uh, so once you kind of get that around your head, it's pretty okay. Um, so that's that's kind of my general take. Now, there are a lot of technical problems that the demo had or that the gameplay has. There's a lot of rough edges. I figured maybe we can tackle that as a group. But th that's kind of my hot take on it. Overall, I, I was impressed. I liked it a lot. But it, it definitely, there's a lot of things left on the table that, that I think Anthem's got to answer before the before the launch. Yeah, I think you're pretty on point with that. And it, it is an interesting distinction um, between Destiny versus Anthem and how Destiny, the gunplay, feels really, really good. And the abilities are kind of like a secondary thing. And Anthem's quite the opposite. The gunplay is honestly very underwhelming. It's one of my biggest complaints is it, you fire a gun and it just it doesn't feel cool. You know, it just it, it does damage and you kind of shrug and go, okay. And then you... You start slashing and stuff with your your abilities, and, and you know that, that's fine in concept. But I wish the gunplay felt a little bit better. But I, I get kind of what they're going for. Um, but yeah, performance-wise, like you said, it's um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I complained on on PC when I played the, the the closed beta that like the performance wasn't that great. My computer's no powerhouse. Like it's it's a gaming computer, but it's it's a bit old, um, and I had a lot of trouble with that. And the controls were awful like it's impossible to fly on on on, um, on pc uh for console i actually tried it both on a playstation 4 and a 4 pro uh it was terrible on the on the, the normal playstation 4 um just really bad um really bad frame drops just the baseline frame it was terrible um it was very laggy just it was not good at all the, the Pro was a bit better. It got a lot better once I turned motion blur off. Like, if you had issues, I suggest you just kill the motion blur because you don't need it, and it helps the frame rate immensely. Um, but still, I, I would expect more um, for a game that comes out in two weeks to be optimized better. And it was, it was problematic, um, definitely. I just wish they allowed you to try all of the suits. Uh, I was a little annoyed by that because, like, I did the Ranger in the beta, and then you obviously start with it in the in the demo. And I tried the Interceptor and didn't really care for it. Um, I just I, it was a little too low in defense for me to, for my play style. And then I was like, okay, so I can't try the other ones. Like it seemed kind of like a silly limitation to put on the demo to go. Well, you only really get to try half the classes um, when you're, you're kind of trying to sell me the game. And if I pick the wrong class, I don't get to try the stuff that I might like more. Um, I thought that was a pretty poor choice on their end. So I, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Did you guys kind of play together or are you doing it separately? We played as a group before. So how, how did you guys like the teaming aspect of it? So I, I played all with, like, with randoms. And you, you can tell like you know, once, people, once you get a, like two or three people in a group that kind of know what's going on, uh, it starts to work pretty well. I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on the team play mechanics. Once we kind of got our head around how like the combo system worked, I really liked that. That was kind of cool. It, it definitely rewards um, coordination, and it doesn't necessarily have to be 
you know, over voice comms, I mean, you, you, you kind of know by, okay, the, the Colossus lights the guy on fire, and if I shoot him with this thing, he explodes, and I get the combo damage. Like, like that was cool. I like that. Um, but, of course, you were rewarded for, for coordinating and talking and that sort of thing. So I, I liked the team play. Um, I thought it was pretty good. What about you, Libby? Uh, I didn't find it too bad. I mean, for, <laughs> there's just a lot of glitches that happened to me, so I just got dragged through each segment. Um I don't know. It's it's not my favorite type of game, but yeah, I don't know. Wait a minute! I thought you were a big Monster Hunter fan, right? Yeah, I mean, but there's there's one monster you're whacking on. That's true. Not a spider in eight million of its offspring. That's true. Well, and so it's that's disgusting. Only, hey, that's only one of the three strongholds that we think is going to be available. One of the three. <laughs> is it, did you guys see the uh, the Ash Titan? Do you guys do the world event? Uh, no, I didn't see that. Okay, now that that's definitely some Monster Hunter shit going on right there. <laughs> that thing is massive. Okay, yeah, no, I, I, I've heard some concerns about the, the amount of content that they're planning for the end game. And I know you kind of mentioned just now, and I'm curious if, if you heard more, that those strongholds, like there's only like three of them, and that was one of them that we did in, that, in, the, in the demo? Yeah, so... Wow. My, my, my flash concerns... As I, as I come out of the demo weekend and, and kind of thought about it a little bit today, um, obviously there's some technical rough edges. There's some bugs here and there. That Now, now to their credit, though, uh, Bioware has been in a full court press today on social media, like addressing a lot of like, hey, yeah, we absolutely had this fixed. We had that fixed. We were addressing this. And reportedly, reportedly, um, from several like the, the EA Game Changer folks, the, um, the build that we were playing in the demo is about five to six weeks old. So it gives me a little window of hope that you know, they have, they've been shaving a bunch of these rough edges off as we go into it. So in terms of the content, that is one of the interesting questions. Like I, they clearly are setting this up as a live game, games as a service kind of model. Sure, like absolutely clearly that is what they are doing. And, they, and I don't think they're making any secret about it. So how how does this play in? If that's all you got is three strongholds and you know some random public events and stuff like that, I what we don't understand or don't know is what they haven't shown us. Um, they indicated that the world event, which was a little underwhelming, you know, in the brief bit I saw of it, was the a quote unquote mini event, not a full blown one. So I don't understand. You, you don't really have a sense of what is looming out there for the game. That's either good. Or bad. Uh, I don't know that there's an in between for it, um, but you know that that that's that's a. I think that's where my concern is. Like, I'm not sure this is like a day one purchase. I think this is keep an eye on it and and like get some initial feedback and then dive in unless you've already pre-ordered, you know, or whatever. But um, that that would be a concern. Is what what does the end game look like now? For that, not, what I do like though is their difficulty levels. I like that a lot. So you can amp up the difficulty up to like you, you more or less I think six six total levels. You know, it's like easy, easy, regular, hard, and then masterwork like one, two, and three, or master level one, two, and three. Uh, so that that that's kind of cool. Uh, it has a Diablo like kind of loot structure because there's a like everything's random rolls and it's all pretty like pretty varied. So I think they are building in a a nice loot gameplay loop, uh, which may help offset if they just don't, if they have like only so much content to go through initially. 
Um, one of my, my deeper concerns is what is the EA, uh, you know, the looming EA shadow in terms of monetization? Like what, what is that? Like, that's what I don't know. That's what I'm very concerned about is how does this work out? Now you've got to, you got to hope, you got to think the EA learned from, you know, them blocking a kick with their face about a year ago with Battlefront, but it is EA. So that that's kind of my broad concerns. I, I think the technical stuff they can fight through. You would hope it would be more polished, though. Um, the the end game content I'm a little bit concerned with, a little bit uh, right now. I'll kind of reserve reserve some judgment on that. But it's the it's the monetization that I am I am very very cool on right now. Yeah, I think that's definitely a concern because I mean. They've advertised it's only cosmetic. Okay, fine. I, I can I can probably believe that. And that you can buy anything that's available for direct purchase with in-game currency. But the question is, of course, what's the time investment to get something? Because like Star Wars Battlefront, you could, in theory, play in-game and get currency and buy anything. But the time scale was so absurd that there's just there's no way that anyone would actually do that. So basically, you effectively had to pay cash for it. Um, I think that the tuning of those prices is really critical, especially when there's kind of reports coming out that, you know, it, it's not final, allegedly, but people are kind of guessing like a skin for your javelin is about 20 bucks, which is a third of the cost of the game. Um, it's a little concerning because it's like, okay, what do they consider $20 worth of in-game effort to be, you know, reasonable? If that's that's the price, right? Because you kind of have to find that that sweet spot between people thinking, "Oh, I could grind that," and "Screw it, I would, I'll just buy it," you know, um, for it to work well. So I, I, I that is honestly probably the two major things making me kind of want to hold off on this one is no idea what the monetization is going to be, and like I said before, we live in a world where Black Black Ops Four can come out, be out for a month, the reviews come out. And then they patch in shitty microtransactions after the fact. Like that's that's the that's the the angle we're at now, where they will wait for reviews to come out, then add the shitty monetization in. So it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, and then the end game is also something I I, I do have some concerns about. And I'm, I'm kind of glad you brought up the Diablo reference because that I definitely got that feel for it. Um, but the the Grandmaster levels is kind of like the Torment levels in Diablo, um, and I think the success of that is going to really come down to how the gear works because like Diablo three and two have a lot of differences, but let's just talk about three. You know, you actually, your character kind of gets maxed out fairly quickly. Like it happens a ways after the end of the main campaign, you're kind of halfway into the, the different difficulty levels and your, your character gets maxed up. But at that point it kind of comes down to, um, the legendary gear and in Diablo legendary gear has lots of crazy effects. So kind of think like if you're playing destiny, but you could like fit exotics to every slot of your armor and have all of those effects running on top of one another, that's kind of how Diablo works. Um, and that's where you get the really crazy builds where you can, you know, basically break your character because you've got so many crazy things going on that you're at this, you know, monster powerhouse and then you throw yourself at these higher difficulties where, you know, obviously that's the point. You, you, you want to become insane so you can crank it up to, you know, enemy health times 3,000. Um, if, if it's just like stat increases with the gear, 
that's going to get old really quick because then at that point you're basically doing the destiny light level grind where it's like you do more damage so you can fight enemies that do more damage you know um it's 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 gonna have to be in those special effects and the special abilities and that sort of thing and i didn't see any of that in the demo i mean granted it's like level 15 out of 30 it's not meant to be end game level gear so that it's fine but i think for it to work on that diablo style model the gear really has to kind of let the character be overpowered and do some interesting cool stuff and not just be stat bonuses because um, that's going to get stale really quick. So again, I, I kind of want to see how that's all going to work before I'm really willing to put money down on this thing. Because if that's not how it is, I'm probably not interested in the end game. And if it's a live service model game, the end game is the game. You know? Yeah. So th- now I did see a couple things uh, as I looked at a couple uh, like content creators that had shown off some of their you know, deeper. Uh, deeper stuff like you know after like grinding for two straight days you know, they'd have like a masterwork or two uh, on their on their javelin and the stat effects or the inscriptions if you as, as they refer to them in game can be pretty baller so for example there was one I saw on a uh, on a colossus it was a uh, a component like one of the, one of your javelin components not a weapon but a javelin component that it was I think it was called talisman of destruction. And basically, when you got a multi-kill with your super, you got, like, it defined that as, like, like I think six or more enemies or something like that killed with your super, you would get your super back. So, and that's on top of, like, four or five, you know, random roll, you know, stat, stat bumps and effect bumps that you got. So that was very kind of, you know, Destiny Exotic style kind of comment where you're like, oh, okay, all right, I get it now. And so the guy basically was, was like, he showed some gameplay footage where he's clearing ads with this thing, like it's nobody's business. And, it, and the thing was, it would stack damage. So like every time you got your his ultimate back, it gave him a st- an extra stack of damage capability. So he cleared like two, like two, three waves of ads, and then he would turn that the ultimate onto the the big boss. Um, and it was very effective. So. There's some neat effects there. Now, one of the things we didn't talk about is you know, there is zero PvP in this game. And, and right now, I think there should not ever be PvP in this game, ever. Um, because there is no PvP, you can absolutely go hog wild on what you allow the, the javelins to do in PvE. And that is kind of a really, really neat... That's a neat strength. That's a problem that a lot of other games have had. You try to mix PvP and PvE. You know, Destiny's you know, the obvious you know, comparative example, uh, they're always at war with themselves trying to balance between the PVP and the PVE content and, and like the capabilities. So when you don't have PVP, the things that you're allowed to do with your, with your characters and, and particularly in team play is, is pretty crazy. Uh, and I think that's a huge strength of this game that I really, really hope that they, they don't seek that PVP kind of experience because I just don't think it will I think it will absolutely detract from what they've got so far in the game. No, that's a very good point, I think, that it, it, it allows them to let your character be overpowered without breaking anything else in the game. And that's really where that PvE fantasy comes from. And in games like Destiny and Division have always struggled with that where, you know, um like let's say Destiny One, they really toned down the crazy stuff so that PvP felt balanced, but PvE felt kind of boring 
in the division had the opposite problem where they let you have kind of crazy stat stuff going on in, in PvE, and then you went to the dark zone and people could one shot you and take zero damage from your guns and all kinds of crazy shit. It's a really hard thing to balance correctly um, in in this type of looter shooter game. So I think that Anthem definitely has that advantage that they don't have to worry about the PvP. They can let you, you know, get a multi-kill and get your super back instantly and not care about it because whatever, you know, we, we want you to feel powerful and, and, you know, having abilities like that is good. I, I didn't realize that there was gear like that. So that's that's actually really encouraging to hear um, because that's that's kind of what the end game turns into is what kind of crazy stuff can I stack together to get, you know, this this monster of a character. And that's really where the fun comes, I think. Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're spot on with that one. So just for, for uh, frame of reference, I played Ranger like you all do, which was surprisingly fun. I, I, that's actually, you know, I thought that was going to be kind of a, like a ho-hum sort of just everybody has a Ranger thing. I, I, that's actually very viable because of what its role is, which is single point damage or single target damage. They're, they're, that's a good thing. Then I tried the Storm, which is a lot of fun. I, I think I think you're going to see a, a significant balance pass when this thing, but right before this thing goes out, they're going to be balancing some things based on what they saw in the demo. I think they're going to make the Colossus noticeably more tanky, I suspect. because It's pretty good, but your shield, like the physical shield that you hold up, you can lose damage pretty quick, uh, or you can lose that shield pretty quick. So I think some of the stagger animations need to get you know, shorten a little bit. The reload speed needs to get uh, shortened a little bit. Um, but the the storm, if it if they're going to leave that one where it's at, they need to do a couple other things to bring some stuff up. I think the interceptor is about right from a movement standpoint. Uh, the rangers probably about right, but the 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 world or the I keep on say warlock. The uh, the storm is very tanky when it's hovering. Like its shield is legit when it is hovering, and then I dropped a couple of components on that thickened the shield on it even further. That's definitely the class that it's like the AC-130. You just hover that sucker over the battlefield, and you just rain down, setting up for your teammates who are like in in other positions to, to drop ultimates and specials. Um, but I think that, I think you're going to see a fairly significant balance pass. On these things, because this the demo is effectively a big playtest. It's rather running on the weekends if you think about it. Um, but the, you know, one of the kind of cool things I do like is that your character is your character, and your javelins are suits. They're not a class. So you're so as you level, that, and again, that's this is a, an, an interesting. They took like a polar opposite approach of Destiny, where you have different characters that are unique individuals in the in a world that have these different trees, and then you can you can change between your Titan subclasses very easily, but that, but that's it. You can't like rotate what style of light you use or what color of light you use. Whereas this one, you know, you, you can rotate in between mission all you want. Uh, and, and your pilot level is your pilot level. And what it sounds like, and they didn't show this, but what it sounds like is that your pilot has a level and some capability, but then your javelins are leveled up with its gear score. And then your, your, and at least that's how they, they kind of alluded to it. So what I like about that is that you can have all kinds of options. Like everybody needs a, everybody needs a ranger that's dialed up to as a DPS tool. You know, you, you could you, you will all have that. Then you could kind of isolate different ones to specialize on. 
and then eventually you can have all four all four styles of javelin tanked up pretty well or dialed in pretty well to however what your play style is um and you could pick and choose them based on how you're, you can have a solo build you can already see they have the tabs in there for your loadout so you can have like a solo loadout team play dps loadout a prime loadout you know a support class loadout you, you can have all these different things set up so I like that a lot. There, there's a ton of RPG type potential that's floating in there, uh, which I think is is pretty cool. Uh, so I, th I think there's a lot to the game, but they got to work on some of this. Uh, and I can only think that they are. And again, you know, they were out there kind of in full force today on Twitter, at least, you know, making sure people were understood that they had addressed quite a few of these these activities. Now, do you guys know if they're going to be doing demos basically every weekend, or is this like this was kind of it before the before the release? I mean, we've only got like two weeks before it comes out, so I don't think I don't think there's another one. I think that was it. Okay, yeah, I just I just wasn't sure, but I kept, yeah, I'm looking I'm looking now, but I'll we'll see here. Yeah, I mean, so I, I pre-ordered you know, just to get an early demo, and 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 I don't I I think it's an okay choice. I, I think right now it's okay if you've pre-ordered it. I wouldn't feel too crazy that your money's going to waste. But if you haven't ordered it yet, I would hold off till about a week or so after you know at, you know after release. You know I, I think that's a safe call. Now the flip side of this is also is like there are many many games like many 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 games that we can you know rank back um, that released in this vein. Games as a service like live game you know, extended content kind of thing that had some shaky, shaky spots first six months of the game. And then they start to even out. And then the first year the game goes by and then suddenly it's in a really, really good spot, you know, dramatically better than when it first released. I kind of hope that's not what they're doing here, obviously, but there's a track record of that. Uh, there's a lot of games that one year after release are markedly different for the better. Uh, you just hope you don't have to wait that long to get to it. Uh, so that's that would kind of be one of my concerns with this. Uh, the problem is you get you know like you kind of alluded to it earlier, Pokey, is that a lot of these games, you know, they can release their monetization model 30 days after, so the reviews come in, then they drop monetization. That's that's a that's a pretty shady move. Um, and what you hope is that a lot of these developers aren't banking on the fact that they can just continue to iterate on the game and make it better. Uh, and that's their that's their strategy. Uh, now, on one hand, you're like you'd say, "Hey, just release the game when it's in a great state, and let's call it good." That 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 is easy for us to say on the consumer side. That's hard to say when you've got shareholders and people that have invested and they want some return. And and frankly, if you look at the scope and the scale of games nowadays, like particularly these bigger titles, it's you know best is the enemy of good enough. And, and and judging when something is good enough to get out that you can earn some positive will in the marketplace and then iterate on it, you know, earn some trust and then iterate on it. That's a that's really the line I think most of them are, are trying to take because they want to get a game out, they want to get something on the street badly, um, you know, because their business model revolves around it. But I, I give them credit for a lot of times their vision is so big and what they want to want to do and what they're driving to do. They know they can't get to it, so they want to release the good enough. And I think that is the crux that Bioware is in right now. But that being said, I have a lot of trust in Bioware. I have, they, many of my favorite games like of all time have a Bioware tag on them. So I'm, I'm, still, I'm rolling the dice on Bioware, even though that, you know, the EA specter is looming in the background. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the the weird part is that you you want to you want to support Bioware and you don't trust EA, so you're kind of in this awkward place of like I want it to be good, but I don't know if it will be, and it's 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 made me uncomfortable with my choice, and it's like I, I I'm kind of like what like you suggested, just like it's a PVE game. It's not the end of the world if you wait a little bit and jump into it once you know a bit more about how the final product is actually going to look. Um, it, it's not like you're going to fall behind in the PvP scene. There's no raid you have to get ready for. It's just like, you know, just just, just give it a little time if you're if you're worried about it. You know, I, I think that it has the potential, like you say. In, in my thoughts, you were describing at the beginning of this was, you know, the ideas behind it are very good. Um, the execution of those ideas a little up in the air. We'll have to see. Um, and then obviously kind of the, 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 the potential ugliness of, of what EA could do to this, the, the franchise is, is also there. You know, people really want this game to be good, um, but that doesn't mean it will be good, but it doesn't mean it will be bad either. It's just kind of one of those things like just try not to, to go crazy and then jump on it and pre-order the Ultimate Deluxe Mega Edition. Just... You know, don't 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 do that to yourself when you know that there's there's actually a very real risk there because of a track record that has been continuing to be a problem for you know the last couple of years. Particularly last year was really bad. Um, and you know they've probably spent like what do you think like hundred million bucks in this game to 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 put it together. Uh, you know they're yeah I, at least probably yeah. So I mean you're looking at. You know, they they, they got to recoup that somehow, and you know, you you wonder what direction do they go? Do they they target the whales and make it really scummy, or do they make it reasonable and and you know let people kind of poke at it and stuff? You know, um, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. I'm I'm I want it to be good as well. Um, I've got uh, a couple of my friends trying to convince me to to get it, and I'm I'm trying to. <laughs> You know, stick to my my original plan and give it some time, but um, you know it's got potential, and I, I don't think I want to downplay that at all. There's a lot of really good stuff in there, but there is that risk factor as well. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Livy, any closing thoughts on it? Uh, she stepped away for for child aggro. I, I do want to say one thing though. Like, if if Destiny can learn anything from from Anthem. The customization system is oh my god, it's great! Fucking amazing, like so cool. Like uh, you know me, you you know how I am, and I opened that up and I was just like, oh my god! So 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 you walk in, you walk in, you to the apartment, you say, hey Pokey, what's up? Hey, I'm just working through this character creator in uh, Final Fantasy '78 or whatever the hell it is. Like, cool, I'm going to the store. You go to the store, have lunch. Meet some friends, catch a coffee at Starbucks, come back seven hours later. Hey, Pokey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm working on the fan, on the uh, Final Fantasy '78 character creator. Still same character? Absolutely. <laughs> it's true though. But no, I mean, like, like seriously, like that 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 whole system where you can like pick materials and colors and shit and like kind of build your own mix. It's basically like you can make your own shader in in Destiny, and it's got a lot more robust. I'm like, dude, if they just sold like, hey, you can buy this camo pattern for a buck they would suck so much money out of me very quickly I, um well i think like, i'd be all over it <laughs> well if, if they do keep it like reasonable now if it's like five bucks for a, a material i'll probably be like eh, you know I'm, I'm it's all in the pricing you know but like the idea behind it's fantastic yeah so now the cool thing about this one which is different again a different model in destiny because this is a third person game you 
And, and, and every time other players, if you think about it, where other players see you and you can see them, that's when you want all your bling, right? That's, that's kind of how it works. That's why you have all your tower outfits on and your crazy, crazy colors. Cause you never really see your out, your, your armor and destiny unless you're in the tower. Um, if, if EA was smart, quote unquote, if they released a, you know, a pretty good swath, like a basic palette swath, but they had the vinyls, which I thought were kind of cool. Like these overlay vinyls that you put on, uh, I really love their customization. So if they released that and it was like a buck a pop and you could get like packs for like five bucks or something like that, you would be like, you know, Fortnite level. If they Fortnited their monetization model, they would probably do real well. Um, and then you double down on that when you have an actual character creator versus just an arm, a javelin customizer. Like there's all kind of options there that, that probably are pretty interesting. So I, the one, here's one, here's an interesting thing. When you see a game company that comes out and pushes a game market, like a game niche like this, and I think they are, I think, I think Anthem is going to push like the, the space that they're operating in is destiny and division and themselves. There's, I can't think of anybody else that operates really in this space. You could kind of argue that Wildlands tried to a little bit, maybe For Honor, uh, you know, or Rainbow Six, maybe. Uh, but it's really Division, Destiny, and uh, Anthem. That's that's basically the same player base that all three of those games are kind of fighting after. Um, it, it, what I like about this is Division 2 comes out, Anthem comes out. They're definitely starting to roll their sleeves up and work on D3. They just had Forsaken came out, which kind of basically resurrected and kept that franchise definitely going. I hope that but that Bungie is looking at what's going on around them. They're like, let us harvest some of these ideas for D3. Just like I know that, Divi- that Ubisoft was learning from the lessons learned of Division 1 and then watching what other people were doing in the space that they were in and, and, and responding with Division 2. So what I like is when all these games are successful. I really, I want them all to be successful, um, mostly because it will keep making the games better and it will keep pushing them. And, and, and this is very, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's very obvious this was set up to compete with Destiny and Division. I mean, that's what it, that is the game space it's operating in. And a lot of the, the, giant, the, the design choices they're making are radically different than the other two games. And I like that. It's different. It makes me look at playing differently. It makes me want to interact with the game differently. But yeah customization out the ass if they if they double down on that that'll be huge that that would be massive and and i think there's there's game space in there for them to do just a ton of different stuff and apparently there's a there's a lot of stuff we didn't see in the demo that that uh that they're kind of reporting on like there's a lot of faction uh faction allegiance type activities that 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 are involved in this that helps you do things so there's a lot. So they, they were trying to remind people a lot today that it was a demo and, and we weren't seeing everything, which I think is kind of cool. Nope, I think you hit the nail on the head there. That's that's pretty good roundup. I, you know, like I said, it's it's an it's an intriguing game, um, and I think you're you're absolutely right that they all kind of bounce off of each other, and that's good moving forward for all of them. Um, it's the, the looter shooter style game is something that. I obviously love, um, you obviously love, it's a very popular thing right now. And, you know, as these iterate moving forward, you know, the, the better they get, the better it is for us. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited and, um, you know, hopefully they can continue to learn from each other. All right. Well, I think that's, uh, I think that's our show guys. Uh, you ready to do some shout outs? Let's do it.
Okay, so I'm I'm gonna steal Zell. Zell's can Zell couldn't make it unfortunately, but this is a pretty good one. So my shout out goes to the guy on the division PR team that got fired this last week. So real quick, the the setting of the division is post apocalyptic virus hits, lots of people dead, anarchy, chaos in the world, and Division Two takes place in Washington D.C. So you know the seat of the American government, um, and so to. Uh, advertise the private, you know, beta that's coming up. You pre-order the game. You can you get into the beta. You can sign up for it and get a chance to get in. They tweet out and say, "Have a look at what a real government shutdown looks like in the Division Private Beta coming next week." Not a good yeah. idea. <laughs> yep, the tweet was pulled like five seconds later, and they sent an email out like like literally minutes after that, like. We are so sorry. We didn't even do that. It was horrible. Please don't don't hate us. It was just like, I'm like, people are freaking out. I'm like, oh, like it's not horrible. Like it's not it's not like super. Oh my god, bad. But well, it's like, well, guys, there's, there's a not lot a worse, there's a lot worse stuff on the internet. I mean, there's yeah. like a lot lot worse. But that's still one of those where like I think I think you could have done that better. You know. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was pretty cringy. I was like, "Holy shit!" They did not. So yeah, no, that that's my shout out goes to that guy. And uh, yeah, um, have good luck with the job search. All right, Bate, you're up. Um, oh, excuse me. I don't really have much in the way of shout outs this week. Um, at least I don't think I do. I'm gonna shout out to the Super Bowl. What a terribly boring game. Jesus fucking Christ, guys. Um, so yeah. Sunday was the Super Bowl, obviously. No fun, I didn't think. But uh, good friends made it fun, so there's that. So shout out to uh, shout out to having friends. All right, and Jay. Uh, yeah, um, let's see. I'd like to give a shout out to the unknown Colossus player that backpacked me through my first stronghold run on Anthem. He was he clearly like had been playing for a long time, uh, you know, in, in terms of the two days that we had, this is like late Sunday. He's probably been VIPing it and playing this one because the dude was pretty awesome. Uh, I, I have no idea who he was, what his name was. I was, I, I don't even know if you can get into a voice chat, like a party chat. Like, you know, I, I don't know how that way, how any of that system works, by the way. Hey, it'd be really cool. Like uh, it, Bioware, if you, in, in your real game, when you release it, there's like some nice UI tool tips or, you know, some easy shit like that. But, Hats off to the guy in the pink and blue camo uh, Colossus. I thought immediately of Livy when I saw that. Uh, so hats off to that guy or gal that was uh, backpacking me through the Tyrant Mind Stronghold. All right, so shout out to the thick boy. All right, guys, that is our show. Thank you for tuning in. As always, if you want to, you know, actually, hold on. I'm, I'm going to put one more shout out because I, I just I have YouTube up here and it popped up and I remembered. So... The last word came out in Destiny 2 this last week, and my name is Bife, who is like the lore guy extraordinaire for oh Destiny God, 2. Yes. He did a video on the whole story of the last word in Thorn with full voice acting, with all the lore cards and stuff. It's an hour and 25 minutes long. It is absolutely fucking fantastic. And he, Bungie should seriously hire the guy who did Dredge and Yor to do the voice of Dredge and Yor in something. Like, it was hauntingly good um so I'll, I'll get a link in the description for that one but shout out to bite for that one that was fantastic but anyways that was our show if you want to be in the show head over to biomass.net and uh hit us up on the contact page we'll 
hook you up, get you on the show, um, or if you want to play any games for a dungeon crawl or just for review, let us know. We're more than happy to accommodate. But that being said, you guys have a good week, and we'll see you next time.